Hey guys, it's Anthony. Last week we cut our episode a little bit short. We had such a good time talking to Buttons that usually what takes me and Alec 45 to an hour to uh, record turned into two hours of discussion before editing, of course. So thanks for your patience. Sorry to keep you waiting, but here's the conclusion. Enjoy. And I think Dead by Daylight has a really good example of this where when the game first launched and if you wanted to, to play with your friends, you would have to go through strictly through Steam. They, they didn't have any sort of way in game to actually be able to invite people. And they just piggybacked off of the invite mechanisms that uh, Steam was able to leverage. And that was annoying. It was functional, but it was annoying. And so people got frustrated with the developers of Dead by, uh, Dead by Daylight. Uh, Behavior is the company. And so over time, with enough people complaining, they eventually refactored the way or uh, redid the way that game invites and lobbies and partying worked up. One of the, the main frustrations with it was that after every match, after every match, it would boot you from your party and you would have to reinvite people every oh, single time. I remember time. that. And it was the biggest pain in the ass. And people were, weren't upset with Steam or the way that Steam invites work. They were upset with behavior because of, this is the way that they chose to do it. They chose to go, okay, well, we'll just take a, a shortcut, implement with strictly with the Steam services, and um, that'll be it. And it's acceptable for our users to have to reinvite the friends every single match that they want to do it. Um, but after enough like criticism and feedback, they eventually reworked their invite system to have uh, an in-game concept of party that would still be able to leverage Steam's invite system. And they've they've actually just recently since added crossplay and now have a very robust way of adding cross-platform friends and inviting people cross-platform and other things like that. It's really cool. But the idea being that um, it's not Steam's fault that Dead by Daylight implemented a crappy uh, friend invite system. Steam simply provided the tools and mechanisms to be able to do so. And it was on Dead by Daylight to build a party system that was effective. And you could you could say the same thing about Xbox, where um, they can go through like whatever's required, but that doesn't mean that at the end of the day, their party system is going to be any good. And you would still get upset at the developers for not making a good party system, regardless of what tools microsoft or steam would would offer right also we we are way down a rabbit hole and this is not about the subscription stuff anymore i don't think but real quick <laughs> since we're already here you know who has the worst fucking invites and speaking of microsoft i don't know how it works now because now they're on steam but sea of thieves on the pc that was the fucking worst because you would you would in like you literally there is no party system in the game. You had to open the Xbox companion app, find them on Xbox Live, send them an invite. And if they were in the game, they would not get a notification of any kind. They don't see the invite. You have to tell them you sent it. They got to minimize the game, go to their companion app, accept the invite, and then in-game it'll pull them into your party. It's fucking worst. So you were saying that, and this is again about fucking the launcher shit, the uniformity shit. You were saying that Dead by Daylight had this her this uh, problem with um, parties dropping and and after every match, uh, and I'm I, you know I was trying to follow along a little bit, but I don't have any experience with with Dead by Daylight. So from what I understood, 
you would invite through their invite system. And then at the end of the match, everyone would drop out. You'd have to re-invite. And then they made this new one, which implements Steam, fixes that problem. Uh, kind of kind of the opposite. So their initial one only used Steam and didn't... So the, the, to, to give a very quick explanation of it, um, when it first launched, if you wanted to play with your friends, you would like set up a lobby and then you would have to go strictly through the Steam platform. Uh, so like you'd like pull up the overlay, look at your friends list, find someone, right click, invite to, invite to game or whatever. And then only through that mechanism could they join the lobby that you've set up. I suppose they could right click on you and click join game. But my point being strictly it was you had to go through the overlay and through the friends list and so on. And the game itself pretty much did not have a good system for uh, managing who was in your party or things like that. So once once you like played your game, your match, and it ended, if you wanted to play another match, you had to create a brand new, a brand new like a uh, party to host and then re-invite people or have people join back on you. Yeah. So that, that was the end the, of the, the game problem. spit you back into the main menu. There was no lobby. It spit you back into exactly. the main menu. It dissolved okay. it dissolved the lobby entirely. So the the problem with it was that um, the developer's behavior did not implement the the tools or the infrastructure for their game to be able to leverage a remembering system or whatever you want to call it to preserve the the parties match after match. And so they later did build such a system that also built in UI tools through directly through the game so you wouldn't have to pull up the Steam overlay. You still could, but my point being uh, the initial party concept in the game was just fundamentally lacking. It was like this bare bones minimum, Steam offers these services, so we're gonna, gonna build with them. Okay, fair enough. I still think that part of the reason that Xbox uses, use, makes people follow some of their guidelines is for some form of uniformity. I definitely think it has to do with that. Probably. I definitely, I think the majority of it is we want to we want to take control of this and have everybody adhere and i know that because or at least the reasoning for that is because i know ea and microsoft had an argument and a disagreement because ea wanted you know microsoft wants ea on online ea wants to be online but ea didn't want to come to terms with microsoft's terms with what they wanted to do they wanted people just to be able to directly connect to their servers and microsoft said no and eventually they came to an agreement, and obviously now you can play EA games, especially the EA Sports on Xbox, but they definitely had that disagreement. Yep. Um, and I would imagine because of having to go through uh, Xbox Live, you know, that was, that was the factor, and I would imagine that one of the things that affects it would be, you know, how, how are people going to connect? How are people going to launch my game? How are people going to get, you know, invite their friends? How are people going to get in matches? Things so, so on and so forth. Yeah. And I mean, you could even say that uh, using uh, Dead by Daylight as a little bit of a case study could be the perfect example as to why one might want to uh, enforce or require a certain level of, of standard. Um, a lot of the, the points that I've been making about providing tools but not forcing the use of them was for the ultimate benefit of the game to see whatever it saw best fit as opposed to 
maintaining a certain level of integrity for the games that are, are on their platform, right? Dead by Daylight would be an example where they weren't forced to go with a certain system, so they implemented a bare-bones minimum and therefore were delivering a subpar product as opposed to not going with the enforced method and thereby delivering a superior product, right? Yeah, I was going to say, could that problem have been solved if Steam just forced everybody to use? And don't get me wrong, I'm all for, like, freedom. You know, if you're a game dev, you should have the freedom to do what you want with your game. You shouldn't have to conform to everything. I'm all for that. I think that's great. But could that problem have been, could that problem have been completely gone and not have happened if Steam had forced people? No, this is how you have to invite people to your game. We don't care what your game says, you know. You know, because you're obviously, especially if you have it on multiple platforms, you still need a way to do that through the game. I, I just, I would argue, I would argue that on that point, Co, like, because I agree, I'm, I'm all for it. It's, it's your game, do what you want with your game, freedom, blah, 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 blah. But arguably, you're playing on, so, so like with Dead by Daylight, Dead by Daylight is on Steam. You and your friends are playing multiplayer Dead by Daylight on steam you're playing on their system so while i while i again i agree with the the freedom to do what you want with your game like i do think that uniformity if you know if that was the solution that was their way around it steam forcing them or steam forcing them to use steam's invite system in no way shape or form affects their game it affects how you join their game with your friends which is what you need to do on their system, but it's it's not in any way, shape, or form affecting the quality of what Dead by Daylight is, let alone the actuality of what Dead by Daylight is. So you're not really taking away any of the developer's freedom per se. Well, but you could say that it would have an impact on the overall user experience, right? If it's impossibly frustrating to try to get a match or the match or like uh, the party system so cumbersome or, or inconsistent or, or clunky or however you want to describe it, just just bad or broken, then maybe it's so frustrating you don't even want to play the game or or what have you, right? You don't you don't want you don't want to introduce additional overhead to your players. You want your players to have as positive and seamless of an experience as possible at, at the end of the day, right? Nothing is worse than when you go to play a game and you're all excited to play with your friends and you can't figure out how to get somebody to play with you. Like, yeah. you guys are both in the game. You guys are both ready to play. And for some reason, you don't know why, you can't join each other's games. There's nothing worse than that experience. I'm looking at you, GTA Online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a fair point. That was a very fair point. Interestingly enough, Dead by Daylight is on console and on Xbox. So I don't know what the... I, I haven't played it on console, so I don't know what the matchmaking lobby party system has been like throughout the history of Dead by Daylight um, for its Xbox users. That would be actually a really interesting thing to look up. So anyway, pulling it back to a previous point, you I, I forget who was making the point. It might have been Luxon, but you are mentioning that we're starting to get a bunch of like other games and um, kind of value out of the subscriptions and services that people are paying for their uh, premium online membership to these console platforms. And the first thing that popped into my mind was cable TV packaging, where it's like, hey, we're charging you the subscription and look, cool, here's a bunch of things we're throwing in there for perceived value, baby. But it's like, 
none of the stuff that you actually care about. You're like, I just want these three channels. Can't I pay for these three channels individually? They're like, no, because we package everything together and you have to buy 700 channels for the low price of 50 cents per channel. And it's like, but I just want those three channels. I don't want to pay 50 cents a channel for 700 channels, right? And it just kind of comes back to this idea of, well, if there's these like products and services that they're trying to sell and they're bundling in bundling them into this membership well why what why even have the membership why not just have that service itself like game pass is is a good example right like why why bundle that in in the first place let me just pay for them separately or or something like that yeah see and that that's what i was saying when when we were on that point is if i'm getting games out of this monthly cost why are you even charging me for the internet if i like if I don't want to pay for those games, for example, right? Like if, if the, if the payoff equals out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Make, make that a different subscription. Let me pay monthly for, for free games or whatever the game pass is and just provide me with the internet. That's what you're giving me anyway. If I don't want it or, you know, not, not to sound ungrateful or like, it's not a good deal, but like legit, that's not what I'm trying to pay for. Right. That's not what you want to buy. Exactly. What's the point? I think. I think it's kind of an incentive too, as well. Um, and not that I want to say like Microsoft is trying to, or Sony is trying to give you like free stuff because they want to be all nice and generous. Cause I don't think that's what they're doing at all, but I think it's a way to, for the consumer to justify their purchase. Cause they don't bundle. Cause they, like you were saying, they don't, they, they don't do the separate, they bundle. Right. So as a consumer, I can sit there and say, well, yeah, I'm paying 15, you know, I'm paying $15 or $24 for three months on xbox for so i can play with my friends which if it was just that sounds very expensive right i'm paying 20 an extra 25 dollars a month on top of my internet bill already so i can pay i can play games with you guys that kind of sounds absurd but when you throw in but we're also going to give you three free games every month or however i think it's three uh every month it kind of is a better justification for the consumer to be like, yeah, well, maybe I will spend, you know, now I'm kind of getting a better deal, especially because there's definitely older games that I haven't picked up that I'm like, oh, that's free. Yeah, that's a cool game. I'm going to check that out. But what if they offered like, cause, cause here's the thing you could still offer different, I, well, I guess if you want to stick with the term, you could call them plans, but like, what if, you know, hi hypothetically, let's say, let's say PlayStation, uh, let's say PlayStation and Xbox, the as it is now with the games included, let's say that was 20 bucks a month, right? And then you offer a different service for 10 bucks a month that doesn't include that and it's just the internet. Which, you know, again, if you want to be super technical, I don't feel like they should be charging for anyway. Um, but but I'm saying like there's no reason they can't offer both. I get your point. I get that it's an incentive. But like me and Buttons were saying, if that's not what I want to pay for, it's not what I need, it's not what I'm interested in, why not offer the other? And if your argument for not offering the other is incentive, why not offer both? I would argue if both were offered, they would actually make more money because more people would be inclined to do it. I don't buy that. I don't no? buy that at all. No. Well, so let me, let me back up a sec. You're already forcing people to pay for your online at the price point, why would you offer them a lower price point? You're forcing them to buy at your price point of $24.99 for three months or $10 a month, we'll say, right? 
you have to spend $10 a month to play online. And they're just happen to throw that in. Why would you offer $5 a month? So more people could give you less money because more people would do it. Like I, I feel I don't, like, I, but you, no, there's no more people would do it. You're forcing everybody who has an Xbox to already do it. You're just going to give them a lower price point. But you don't think there's people with an Xbox. You don't think there's people with an Xbox that don't want to pay for that. And so they don't. I think it's a small minority. I think most people, I think back in the day, maybe I think now, no, I think this, it's a small minority of people who have an Xbox or a PlayStation and don't pay for online. So if they offered both, you don't think people would pay for the more expensive to get that benefit? Or not enough to counterbalance. I don't. I, I don't think it would matter. I think you're already in a situation where people are so used to spending, you know, ten bucks a month or whatever it is a month, that you don't need to change anything. Why would you want to change anything? You're already making good money, and you've already, as we said in the beginning of the episode, we already, we've already put it in everyone's head that you have to pay for online on a console. As you would say, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. Yeah, fuck. And that's the thing is like uh, what Kobo is saying is right now, 100% of people who are paying for online are paying at the, I, I don't know, uh, was it, uh, what was the price point per month for Xbox Gold? It's $10 like a 10, month. Okay. So yeah. 100% of people who are paying that are paying the $10 one. And if you introduce a lower option, then not 100% of people are paying you ten dollars a month you might have maybe even if the the game pass really is worth it and 90 percent of people who are interested in the game pass and now 90 percent of people are paying you ten dollars you've just introduced ten percent of people who are no longer paying you ten dollars instead paying you five dollars or or something like that so it's strictly a profit loss by introducing that other option but i i believe the point luxon was trying to make was that by introducing the lower option, you might not have 100% of people. You might attract new customers. Maybe what? Maybe it would be 110% of people. But I think that's where that kind of starts to become questionable because we don't really know how many people aren't currently paying for Xbox Live that might if there was a lower price point, right? Or even like if I'm a PlayStation user and all my friends are on Xbox, but I don't want to buy an Xbox because I don't want to pay for two online services. If if each online service is cheaper, then I end up with both. Although I I guess then that argument is that Microsoft doesn't want Sony to make the money. So fuck them. But yeah, Microsoft doesn't care about Sony. But like, but you should care about your consumers. And and just to be clear, when I say like a cheaper option to, uh, yeah, should. When I say they, you know, offer a cheaper option, like i'm not saying i was just throwing out a price point for the sake of numbers and an example i'm not saying like like if it's 10 bucks a month now i'm not saying ooh, offer a four dollar a month plan and then because you're right everyone would take that and fuck the games but i'm saying like if it's you know let's say it's right now it's 24 dollars uh for three months and games are included like do you really think they're losing out on a lot if they offer you know 15 or, you know, I see, I, and I can't even throw out numbers because then your argument is still going to stand. But I'm saying like a little bit cheaper, whatever it may be, because I don't fucking want the games. Like, so, so that, that actually brings me to something I wanted to mention. And it's a little bit of, of a off topic point. But are, are you guys even, is, I don't know anybody actually interested in like game passes, like su- subscription video games. Like, I just genuinely, I'm not talking about WoW where, the game itself is a service. I'm talking about a separate service that gives you access to games. The Netflix like of games. Flies. 
Gamefly. Gamefly. Yes. Well, that's that's what Xbox does. Well, uh, right. That that is Game Pass. But what I'm saying is, who is that service for? Like, I genuinely have not met a single person who's interested in or would pay for that service. Like, uh, for myself as a consumer, let me just buy the game and I'll have it forever. Like, I I'm busy. What have you? I don't want to have to go. Oh well, did I play enough to justify ten dollars this month? If I buy a sixty dollars game, I know I'll get eighty hours out of it at some point. Like the idea, you know, like I I don't know. Like I haven't seen someone who's who's interested in. It. I have. Yeah. I think it's more for yeah. those people who burn through video games quick. Okay. Like like so. In my opinion, like. I could buy a sixty dollar. I could buy four sixty dollar video games a month and burn through them. And I just bought. I just spent you know what two hundred and forty dollars on sixty dollar video games. Or I pay the subscription for Game Pass, which I don't even know what it is, and I have access to those same games and I beat them in a month and I'm done and I didn't drop yep. nearly as much money. It's for it's it's the same concept as renting from Blockbuster. Yeah, and it's honestly it's great for streamers just because if you. You know, nah, I don't have anything to stream. You get something off Gamefly, you get a good few streams out of it, and then you send it back and you never got to look at it again. You just saved yourself whatever, 50 bucks, 40 bucks. Or alternatively, how many games have you bought that you haven't finished? Well, the thing too is like, I already have a backlog of games I want to get to. Like, I don't need a, a library of 800 games. Like, I just, I already have a library that I am struggling to get through as is, you know? But I, I do get I do get what you're saying. It's just I guess I was never the intended consumer of that product to begin with. Then, and that's fair. I'm not I'm not super hyped about Game Pass myself. Same. I definitely see the I definitely see the pros of it. But uh, I'm the type of person who does a lot of research on the video games beforehand and finds out if it's a game I'm going to enjoy before I buy it. Right. Or if yeah. it's a game I'm worried about. I wait for it to be on sale. Yeah, and even if like if I buy a game and I and I just really can't stand it, I can still find solace in the fact that it you know, e- even if I'm absolutely pissed at the developers because I think they just did a god awful job. Like that is a I am smart enough to know that that is a matter of opinion and while I hold my right to shit on them in every episode of this podcast, at least that money has gone to the developers that worked on it you know what yeah. i mean because the game could be absolute shit by my opinion but they still put hours of work into yeah. it well so where i was gonna go with this which i i still think there might be a point to be made maybe not was that i find it interesting that they came out with this game pass service which bewildered me because i was like who's even asking for this obviously there are people interested in it you learn something right but they, they came out with a service and now they're just including it for free like they're, they're just giving it away as a part of their they're just bundling it right they're bundling it with their their xbox gold membership and so they're just giving it away like to a certain extent it almost felt like they were inventing a service strictly so that they could include it for the sake of bundling it i i, I worded that kind of weird but like from the perspective i was coming from they came out with this they invented a service people didn't want strictly so that they could lump it in to a service that people didn't want to increase the perceived value of it. And that's not to say that it's not useful or doesn't have its uses, but it just seems so weird to me that they would just suddenly be giving away a service they were previously selling for seemingly no reason. Because you were paying the same amount for Xbox Live previously, and now you're still paying the same amount, but getting this free service as well. Like, that seems so so strange to me. That's 
about to look up. Are we? Is did they not increase the price? I don't believe so. I thought I was under the impression that you paid more money to have access to Game Pass. Which, which that's the thing is, I would understand if, like Luxon was saying, say it was like ten dollars a month for just regular Xbox Live Gold, and then twelve dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month for like Xbox Live Gold and the subscription, right? Like maybe it was bundled but cheaper than buying services separately but i that's not the case right i think that's what no i think that is what like i think gold so so with with xbox gold you get one free game a month i think the pass is something else yeah so so xbox games with gold you get a certain amount of games that you can download digitally for free every month i believe it's three um i believe they usually do like two like low games and like a good game you know what i mean like if that makes sense and xbox gold is included with game pass so you're paying once for game pass and xbox gold got it so the game pass actually includes gold not the other way around okay so then that makes more sense to me and that's exactly what i was saying and yeah, yeah, I'm that, an idiot. that definitely makes more sense um so it's 14.99 a month including gold so it sounds actually like they're charging you five dollars more Okay. Okay. See, that makes way more sense to yeah. me because then you can get gold for less. And then it was exactly what I was well, saying. Technically you're paying more, but game pass gives you access to over a hundred high quality games for console, PC and Android mobile devices. It gives you access to their entire library of games as opposed to the $10 a month option or the $9.99 a month option, which is just gold and not game pass, which is online play and the three free games. Right, which essentially falls into the business model of you're paying more to pay less. It, it's only of additional value or, or quote-unquote cheaper if you were already interested in paying for both services individually. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little convoluted. Right, it's a little right. weird. But so that being said, our, our, our point earlier about them like awarding like, you know, additional incentives and stuff like that, like, Really, the only additional incentive you're getting with, say, Xbox Gold is just like a tiny little taste of what their Game Pass actually offers, right? So it's not even that big of an incentive. No, probably not. But again, I think it goes back to the justifications okay. for the consumer. Hey, look at all these, look at all these games I'm going to get access to if I pay $5 more. How much is $5 more really going to be? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. consumers, we have, a, we have especially us gamers... We have a really hard time thinking in the long term, and we think more in the short term. Short term, in a year, that's an extra sixty dollars, which is only the cost of one one new video game. So true. Let me let me kind of pull it back a little bit more fundamentally. Then, at least with an MMO, like your subscriptions are directly going to the game. The game itself is a service, right? So they have servers that they have to constantly upkeep and maintain, which have ongoing costs. If, if you were to sell a, for like an MMO, right? If you were to say, just pay me $60 one time and play this indefinitely, the company would go out of business because the ongoing, the ongoing cost of hosting the game would quickly outpace the one-time uh, generation of revenue you get per customer to access that service. Which is why I don't agree. You don't agree? Nah, Guild Wars 2, man. Guild Wars 2, you pay, you pay for the game. 
and then an expansion comes out you pay for the expansion i haven't played guild wars 2 in years and if i wanted to log in right the fuck now my account would still be there my characters would still be there everything is still there but you can pay for other shit it's just like league of legends but but that's the thing is you are paying for the expansions each time they come out right but it's not a monthly thing so it's still there's still a recurring like like so what what happens in this case they come out with a new expansion you don't buy it what what happens to your ability to access the the game you play the game up until that content you don't get that content you could still play it'd be the same thing as if like you didn't buy an expansion of world of warcraft or final fantasy yeah you could like I could go to the store and pick up. Well, I guess I could just download it. I don't need to go to the store, but I could download like World of Warcraft and have everything up until the first expansion open to me for the you know the fifteen dollars a month, whatever the subscription price is. But if I want to access any of that expansion content, it'll prompt you. It'll say, "Hey, you don't have this expansion. You need to buy it." Where I was going with that is they've introduced a way for them to pull in new revenue or generate new revenue such that they can potentially cover the overhead of their game. So you would imagine that once they stop development on new content, there is a foreseeable end to them hosting the actual servers. Not necessarily because the gameplay gets stale, but because the cost would eventually outrun the revenue that they generate. But they have an ongoing set of new development and new releases that people will then purchase. Not that they're required to, but that they choose to because they enjoy and want to play the game and support the company that allow the, the servers to, to stay online, right? In, in a certain sense, it is, it, it's not a subscription, but it is a similar business model in that these periodic bursts of revenue let them continue to offer this service that they're hosting right? As opposed to a subscription model for an MMO where it is strictly you pay us and we're keeping the services online with the funds that you have directly provided us. Because you can imagine with Guild Wars, if they released several bad expansions in a row that people just didn't want to buy, that would impact their ability to keep the servers online, right? Because their profit margin would be way too close. I still don't agree because there's, uh, like I said, there's so much other shit you can buy. There's like, like in, in game content you can buy, right? Like, like items that you don't want to farm out or fucking cosmetics. So, so they have a cash or... shop for, for profit as well. It's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they do. I think, I think in this situation, league of legends is the better example. It's a free to play game and they still manage to keep their servers up and running without costing anybody a subscription. Right. I think that is the better example than, than, um, Guild Wars. Well, because I said while, Gears, Guild Wars because of progression through an MMO. Like League yeah, is a never sure. changing game. For sure. But again, I can play that game for its entirety and never have to pay a dollar. True. Never have to pay a dollar. Yeah. But they keep their servers going. And if, I mean, I do believe that if nobody paid for anything, those servers would go under. There is a reason that they have to cost. Servers are not free to maintain and update host on like network traffic is expensive yeah and so i do believe that these subscriptions to bring it back to consoles are going towards supporting and maintaining these servers as well as updating as well as profit margins you know and again back to what buttons was saying if nobody spent any money to keep these servers going i think i think they would fail the xbox live subscription doesn't have the option to buy cosmetics like you said luxon right right so you have to, you have to, like, nobody's going to buy something 
to keep a server going for a company that they have no investment in. You know, you know what I mean? But yeah. there, there is incentive, right? Like they have the marketplace where they get a cut of every game that they sell, which can help keep their their like Xbox Live network alive, which is where they host their marketplace to begin with. And I believe there actually are cosmetics. I remember my brother spending like some Microsoft coin or whatever the name of the currency is on buying like digital cosmetics and stuff for his Xbox Live avatar. Like there are levels of microtransactions oh, yeah. that do exist to I forgot about that. Provide yeah, I... these alternative uh, sources of revenue. Like that's actually one thing that I find really interesting about the parallel of where the conversation with our MMO about MMOs went was we were talking about like subscriptions for MMOs as in that usually for a subscription MMO, that's the primary business model for keeping their servers online as a service. But there are a lot of other MMOs uh, and, and games that keep their servers online through alternative business models, such as uh, microtransactions or any sort of other uh, thing like that. What's interesting is Microsoft kind of has some of these other uh, business models in it as well, in addition to the fact that it, it's subscription-based, which I find interesting because the money that you're paying to Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo isn't going to support the, the servers for the games. It's going to support their own servers, which don't host very much. Like You're already gaining access to that regardless of whether you're paying or not. It, it's, it's of my opinion that they would be able to maintain those servers off of the marketplace transactions that they profit from, as well as some of the other things that they're already implementing. And if they really did need support for maintaining their own Microsoft Xbox servers, it wouldn't be the entire $10 a month that they're charging to gatekeep multiplayer online. It would be something slimmer than that. Because like I said, they're not hosting game servers they don't have to care about tick rate or server performance and speeds they're they're basically just serving web pages which don't get me wrong high traffic web pages those servers still cost a pretty penny but it's nothing compared to the cost of like game servers yeah i don't know i you know i'm not super into i'm not super on to like what the cost to host a server is but again you also have to incorporate some sort of profit in that because they also want to make money off of well this. of course the companies don't operate as nonprofits. like they're they're still interested in making money off of this but at what point have we just become resigned to just say yeah they can charge us to make more money and more profit because they want to versus like it making sense right that breaking point was when sony started charging correct <laughs> yeah. that breaking point was when sony started charging yeah I think so. that's that's when the world just said i guess we're just paying for online now because i know a big selling point for playstation at least when i in my high school was dude you don't have to pay for it online with playstation exactly. but in my opinion at the time at least and i don't remember a lot of the sony exclusives but i was way more interested in the xbox exclusives gears of war and halo specifically and fable Oh my god, I love Fable. Yeah, I think PlayStation was losing the exclusive war at that time. And, oh yeah, for now they're definitely winning it. But that would also be maybe a selling point for Sony to offer free online at the time. And, you know, maybe that's what helped keep them afloat. They didn't have the exclusives, but they had the, they had the free online. I don't know, like, where we sit now, I guess in terms of the, the conversation we're having, right? The question becomes, 
does it make sense for us to be resigned to paying these prices? Or is this just a way for them to get an additional bump of revenue for a company that's already massively profitable? I think it's that, but there's nothing our complaining is going to do about it. At the end of the day, like that's what it is. They want to they want to make money and they don't give a fuck about your wallet. They don't give a fuck about my wallet. They give a fuck about theirs and they're making the money. Yeah, I'm with Luxon on this one. They they took an opportunity to get in on a market. I mean, Xbox specifically with PlayStation following suit later. They took an opportunity to get in on the market and capitalize on it and good on them for t- fucking taking it because look where we are now. If you own an Xbox now, you're 99% are you paying for the online service just because you need it in order to play with your friends. I mean, look, especially look how big, you know, even bring it back to our last episode, look how big Fortnite is or Battle Royales in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people want to play those with their friends. They're so popular right now. So you think the guy who wants to play Fortnite with his buddy really cares about his mommy's twenty four ninety nine? Yeah. Wait, wait, sorry, ten ninety nine. You know, we could easily sit here for another two hours beating a dead horse on the fucking morals of gaming, uh, or or you know maybe not gaming companies, but you, you know, yeah, I mean, Microsoft, Sony. But it's it's just it's just not gonna ever. Uh, I, and unfortunately, the morals topic goes so much further beyond fucking paying for internet on your console. Of course. Um, but but at the end of the day it's it's big brand titans with big brand money and like i said man they don't give a fuck about their users because they're making the money either way at what point is too much right if we're all beholden to abide by whatever they're making us pay at what point is enough enough like i remember back around 2010 uh, forgive me if i'm off by like a year or a couple years but roughly around 2010 I remember there was a huge pushback against EA, obviously EA being a developer. They're also a publisher as well, but huge pushback against some of the practices that they had in terms of, you know, requiring people to play or to pay additional amounts uh, for access to parts of their game. I remember when they came out with, ooh, what was it? It was like the the new SSX Tricky um, for the PlayStation 3 and or it wasn't SSX Tricky was for the PlayStation 2, but it was the new SSX snowboarding game. And I was so hyped for it because I loved SSX Tricky. And like half the game, I believe, was blocked behind own, like purchasing an EA pass to play online. And this was on a PlayStation where online was supposed to be free. But EA themselves stepped in and were like, oh, PlayStation doesn't want to make you pay for that. We'll happily do that. And... EA has gotten a shit ton of flack over the years for a lot of very questionable business decisions revolving solely around greed on their part and things they've tried to force their consumer base to do. But it makes me wonder if at any point we might see a kind of pushback like that against the actual platforms themselves, right? I, I don't know. It, it's just interesting to me because like, at what point is there an alternative to not, to, to not do it? You know, I'm a level with you. I don't think we'll ever see it personally because i think i think that when is enough is enough i think the answer is every individual has their own threshold a lot of people unfortunately well not unfortunately for them but a lot of people nowadays have have the money to like i said put put that in the back of their minds where it's like yeah i I hate it i'm gonna complain about it but i'm just gonna buy it anyway and eventually you know some people might hit their threshold and be like i'm over it fuck you you're not worth it 
Microsoft is a shit company, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe they start a podcast and they complain about it in every episode. Hi, it me. But like, yeah, but like, but at the end of the day, I don't think 500, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 people stop because they hit their threshold. It's not going to have Microsoft sitting in a boardroom going, we should change our concept. Like, nah, if they're going to make money off it, they're going to make money off it. I really don't think we ever hit that threshold. And and we we literally started this episode talking about a fucking, what was it, 74% inflation? Like, if we've already gone that far in uh, however many, you know, tens, twenties of years, like I, I just, I see it going up. I don't, I don't think anyone cares enough. And I, I know for a fact, these companies don't care enough. I don't see any kind of blowback changing anything. Yeah. I, ever. Sadly, I agree. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that gaming has become mainstream. And I don't mean that as some hipster who goes, Oh, well it went to shit when it became mainstream. Not in any capacity. What I do mean is that when something becomes mainstream, the potential audience and therefore revenue that can be generated off of it increases drastically. And individual people having pushback becomes far less significant. Gaming used to be very niche and therefore companies... Yes, niche. Thank you. (laughs) Bringing it back. It was a throwback. No. (laughs) Gaming used to be a very niche audience and therefore companies would kind of not necessarily pander, but they would be beholden to the purchasing power of those individuals where they would have to appease whoever they were making these games for. Revenue had to come from the source of making good products and that people would vote with their wallets on. But as it transitioned into the mainstream, the consumer base became so large that even when they would make questionable products, the people that would push back on it were always inevitably the vast majority. And just the mass consumers would keep them afloat, right? I think that's exactly why we see EA sit where they are is because of no matter what business decisions they try to make at the expense of their users, they just have so many people that they're such a large market share that they're able to sell to that when people get upset, they still have so many other people. It's like, oh, well, you don't want to give me your $5 or $10 or $60 for this title, whatever it might be. Bye. I have this entire mass of people all willing to give me their $5, $10. I don't care about your one individual $10. Right. And that's kind of unfortunate. They, it, it feels like they've grown to a point or, or the gaming industry itself has grown to a point where it's no longer about consumers voting with their wallets. It's no longer about pleasing the end user. And that's kind of kind of crazy to me. It's become so mainstream, it's surpassed the demands of the audience. And I think that that also kind of loosely ties in with why there's been so many AAA titles from AAA developers that have been just mediocre over the past eight years or so. And... Oh, we've definitely covered that one. To the rise of people turning to indie development. And I help. Bethesda came up as this small developer, and now they're a huge AAA themselves. They've gone from the hero to the villain. Like, it's crazy. And they, and they still suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's, just, it's just wild to see how the gaming industry has transformed over the years in parallel with these types of services as well. Like, they definitely inform each other, for sure. Well, I think as gaming evolves and consumers evolve, 
companies are going to find more and more ways to capitalize on your oh, dollar. Of course. Like that's that's something that's around forever. They're going to find if it's not Xbox Live that they're charging for or PlayStation Plus that they're charging for, it's oh, but if you get this one, you can also play DVDs on your console. Yeah. Not that that's a software thing, but um you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, now you have access to Hulu and Netflix and so on and so forth. If you pay, you know, there's always something else that they're going to capitalize on your money for sure. And, and the more services that get released, the more it's going to keep moving. And my only recourse for this would be if we ever got, and I don't even know if it would actually matter. I don't know the semantics behind it, but my only thing that I would see this changing is when cross-platform, I know it's starting now, when it becomes mainstream. Like, when people start saying, remember when Xbox and PlayStation couldn't play together? Like, when, when, that, when that is the moment that we've hit, and that's, like, history to us, there's a potential that paying for online services disappear. But I don't, I don't know for sure. Very early on uh, in, in all of this, roughly when paid services started being supported on consoles, Netflix... Hulu, what have you, they originally had decided, uh, like Xbox Live, for example, they had decided that you couldn't access the online components of those paid services unless you also had the paid service of Xbox Live Gold. Like you had to, in order to use Netflix on your Xbox, you had to have both a Netflix subscription and an Xbox Gold subscription. They were even mm -hmm. gatekeeping these other services. And apparently, yep. surprisingly, that did have enough pushback for them to change to allow access to those other paid services without needing Xbox Gold Live. Wait, is that is that really a thing? Like if I this so is like if I if I got my Xbox it Xbox Epic. <laughs> if I got my Epic. if I got my Xbox <laughs> back tomorrow and I did not buy Xbox Live, but I ran an Ethernet to it, I could use Netflix. Is that I believe so, yeah. From from what I've read, uh that should actually be the case, yes. But it wasn't always like that. They they tried to get away with that with even gatekeeping those online services because they really just wanted to gatekeep the entire concept of online interactions and then, and then eventually after enough pushback um and to, I, i'd actually be interested to find out if the companies themselves offered any pushback like maybe it was a company to company type of pushback pressuring i know there's outrage amongst the users but they did eventually or xbox did eventually enable those services without the need for uh gold i'm not saying i didn't know it was like that i knew it was like that i'm saying i didn't know it changed I thought I still had to pay for an because you're paying for online service. Like if I if I'm not paying for Xbox Live, then I usually can't access the internet on my console. So I don't know how I would launch Netflix without it. But yeah, I, I didn't know they changed that ever. Well, you can get basic internet functionality, like we were saying earlier, with X without paying for gold, and it, that's free. Like you can download games off the marketplace. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. With silver, I, I guess I just never really thought about it. Yeah. Re relating that point back to what we were just talking about, though, that was an instance, perhaps the exception, or the only exception, but there was an instance where customer dissatisfaction and pushback did lead to a more favorable outcome and change in policy that resulted in a better user experience in regards to having to pay for these subscriptions. 
So I don't know. Maybe not all is lost, but I don't think we'll. I don't. I don't have any hope. I'm not going to hold my breath for the yeah. day to come that console online gameplay is not charged. Yeah, we'll we'll call it foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah I don't see. I don't. I don't like. I don't expect to see a news article tomorrow saying that Xbox dropped their shit. So I think our bottom line here is that to sort of kind of wrap this all up into one one uh, cohesive statement is that online subscriptions for consoles is kind of bullshit. Yep. Um, they have they have a purpose, and we understand that there's a purpose, but I couldn't help but be jealous if I'm sitting there playing uh, Dead by Daylight, just as an example, on Xbox, and my friend uh, Buttons over there is playing Dead by Daylight on PC, and I'm sitting there paying $15 a month so I can play Dead by Daylight with him, and he's like, oh yeah, I just play with everybody for free, no big deal. You know, like it's kind of it's kind of bogus. I do think they have a purpose. I do think the money is utilized, but with everything with everything going on, I don't think anybody wants to pay for it. It's it was a forced. Yeah. Uh, what was the word you used? Ultimate authority. It was a forced ultimate authority on gamers for the companies to take grasp on a on a market, and they did it, and they succeeded because this is where we're at now, where everyone has to pay. Fucking. Plot twist in before Steam hears this and goes, yeah, why aren't we charging for use? I wanted to ask you guys that. <laughs> Would you be okay if such a concept came to Steam, for example? To Steam? Fuck no. Kiss my ass. <laughs> That's bullshit. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be okay with it, but I don't think we'd have a choice. God. Don't give them ideas. But even if Steam did it, I think they would maybe do it. They won't do it. They won't do it. I can't see Steam doing it. But even if they did do it, they would do it at like five dollars or like two dollars. It, it's it's crazy. You you buy the con- you buy the hardware, you buy you buy the console, right? You you buy the game, you buy your internet, and then you also buy a subscription. Like that's four separate things just to play one game. With yeah, and if you're me, you buy your friendships too, and it's just so much emotional investment. That's why the only reason I'm friends <laughs> with you, Lux, and yeah. you pay me. Yeah, that's of course. Well, <laughs> I think we've hit on every other point. You guys content with that? Yeah. Well, buttons. Thank you for joining us, dude. I really appreciate you stopping by, taking the time to speak with us. And, uh, yeah, thanks for being here, Buttons. Letting me shamelessly steal your your rant. Yeah, it was, it was an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's it for this episode. Buttons, uh, I'll put a link to your Twitch in the description if anybody's interested in hearing or talking to more about Buttons about uh, about this topic or just want to, you know, maybe he's got a lovely voice and you want to fall asleep to his stream. There will be a link in the description. You guys can find me and Luxon's link at coopcouch.simplecast.com, upper right-hand corner. You can also find our Twitters there. Uh, Buttons Twitter, so you can contact him if you enjoyed the episode. But let us know Let us know what you guys thought. This is our first time having a guest, so this is kind of a new experience to us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think this is a really good conversation. Uh, I do ultimately think this is a great conversation. We went all sorts of different ways. But yeah, uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Twitch. Let us know what you guys thought. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, and we will see you guys in the next one. Take care, guys.